0: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 82. Today's episode is all about overcoming overwhelm. Identifying what the stresses are isn't giving you more stresses. It's just having you see it through a different lens. And then we're able to say, well, which of these stresses don't line up with what's most important to me? And then those things become the things that we address first. Before I decide to say yes to something, before I decide to say no to something, before I decide what I'm gonna do for my day, I want to look at, is this moving me toward where I want to be? Because if you don't know where you're headed, you're never going to get there. Turn up your
1: frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. More subscribers means we grow the show faster, which means better guests and more value for you. Plus, everyone could use a little more Mind Love. Hello, my wild friends. We talk a lot about leading intentional lives here on Mind Love, which means bringing added awareness to basically everything that we do. And it's pretty simple. All you have to do is... Do what you love, and make sure you love it, and align it with your values, and watch how you speak to yourself while raising a conscious family and eating whole organic foods, and oh, what are you feeding your dog, and are your products non-toxic, and are you meditating and sleeping eight hours a night and dancing like no one's watching, and oh my god, are you overwhelmed? I can't imagine why. Just kidding. Don't feel so bad. Did you know that people living today are more stressed out than any other time period? And apparently, millennials, I know we get a lot of grief for everything, but millennials are the most stressed out generation that's ever existed. And it's not really our fault. I mean, nothing really is if we're falling into the stereotypes of how millennials think. Let's just blame the patriarchy. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but we do that with everything else, so why not? Okay, I'm obviously in a mood, as my husband would put it. But really, we're all stressed because we're living in a time where our environments are evolving at a faster rate than our biology can keep up with. This stress and overwhelm is making millions of us sick, tired, and frustrated. But we can't solve stress and overwhelm by doing more of what we've already been doing. We need a way to overcome it. So instead of just meditating twice during our 18-hour days and deep breathing through those 72 tasks that we're juggling. Imagine if we could find a way to really focus on what matters so we can give our full energy to those things. Think of the things you could accomplish and how much happier you would feel. Our guest today is Dr. Samantha Brody. She's a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist and the founder of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. Dr. Samantha says, You don't need to find new ways to manage stress. You need to prevent it from overwhelming you in the first place. So today, she's going to help us systematically undo overwhelm. Three key things we will learn are how to identify what's truly important to you, how to figure out the roadblocks that get in the way of making change, and how to align your self-care with your values. Before we dive in, I want to make sure you know about the morning mind love. It's the easiest way to start each day with a little reminder about how magical you really are. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start the day or that the message that just came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided affirmation meditation to align your subconscious with your highest self, And you'll get a really cool booklet of Powerless, so you can start getting clear on what you want and what really makes you happy. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Dr. Samantha Brody to the show.
0: Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here.
1: I'm always curious how people ended up going the naturopathic route. It's something that I wish I would have been introduced to earlier. So where was your start with holistic and naturopathic care?
0: I was actually really lucky that I stumbled upon this. Well, I feel lucky that I stumbled upon this path pretty early. So I was in... College, and I was studying psychology and I was interested in being a therapist actually. And I spent a summer studying massage geared toward emotive release, so body work, and then learning to do massage and then process emotions that were coming up for people during that process. And one of my teachers in that program, my anatomy teacher, actually was on his way to naturopathic medical school, which I had never heard of. And he told us all about it and actually spent our classes. Instead of teaching us anatomy, he'd give us the handouts and then he would teach us about complementary medicine and alternative medicine in general. And I just fell in love with it. And I was 19, I think. And I came home, I ordered the catalog for the naturopathic school and went, wow, this is an amazing career path. And then changed my major, started doing pre-med stuff and then headed right after college to naturopathic medical school in Oregon.
1: I love that. I've always wished I had a more holistic upbringing instead of Lucky Charms and string cheese. (laughs) But to be fair, I guess it is still early. I'm only 34. Oh,
0: you've got a long time. I grew up without any of that at all. My dad was actually a new product development manager for Kraft General Foods. So I grew up on food out of boxes and had really no exposure at all to the alternative medicine until I started kind of going down that little path on my own when I was in college. And again, I keep saying lucky because I really feel that to stumble upon what ends up being a
1: lifelong career at a young age is really unusual. That's amazing. Yeah, it's funny. There's so much about the freshman 15 when you start college, but maybe it's just that all we knew how to cook were (laughs) Pop-Tarts.
0: Right? Yeah, and so much pizza and ramen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 11-cent ramen at the dollar store. I was into that. So what led you to focus on overwhelm specifically?
0: That's a great question. I would say that over the year, so I'm in my 23rd year of practice this year, which is completely beyond me. But in my practice, what I found is that, you know, and I have a brick and mortar, and then also an online practice where I do kind of consulting and education and working one on one in a similar way as I do face to face. But in both of those practices, what I have found is over the years, that there was always this kind of Cumulative effect of different things impacting people's health. And I think that it's easy to kind of get into this reductionistic place of, oh, I have headaches because of this, or I have digestive issues because of that. But in my experience, it's always this accumulation of stresses that actually, in the end, leads to symptoms, whether those are emotional symptoms like anxiety or depression, or physical symptoms like I was talking about. And that when I was able to help people look at the accumulation of stresses and where they had control, I was then able to help them make room in order to make the changes in their lives that were ultimately going to have the most benefit to allow them to line up their choices with how they really wanted to feel. And so I was framing it as stress. And then when I was working with the publisher, when I was first looking to actually sell the idea and my book proposal, there was a particular publishing house, Downs True, who I ended up publishing with, And they said they were very interested in the concept, they were interested in working with me, but framing it as stress they were concerned wouldn't be as beneficial for people or as accessible to people. So we started brainstorming on how we might be able to frame it, and I talked about overwhelm all the time in the context of this accumulation of stresses. And so we just decided to frame it in that way, although it really is all about this piece of... The accumulation of stress being more than our bodies can handle or our minds can handle causing overwhelm, which then ultimately leads to this state of not feeling our best.
1: It's funny that you say that because I have never really considered myself a stressed out person. And something that's come up a lot in the last year for me is that I definitely get stressed. I just handle it in a different way. And when I think of stress, I think of the person who's frazzled and freaking out. And that's just not how I handle it. A lot of the times I'll shut down and not do anything. (laughs) So
0: common. And that's exactly why I reframed it as overwhelm instead of a stress, because we don't really think about it in that way. We don't think about even the foods we eat being stresses on our system, or the things we're exposed to in our environment being stresses on our system, or even the undone things as being stresses that ultimately can lead to overwhelm. And everyone is so different in the way that we then handle and respond to that. But ultimately, in the end, when we're able to kind of dismantle it or take it apart, we're then able to see, oh, this is what the meat of the matter is. This is really the most important things for me to do or handle or address or whatever. But that's super common. That's
1: really common. So when I think about these sort of stressful things that you might not consider stressful, I think about whatever it is that I'm either doing to my body or putting my body through or putting in my body that causes it to segment resources towards those things when the resources could be doing other things. (laughs) Am I thinking about it kind of in the right way? Yes, that's a very good way to think about it, right?
0: We only have a certain amount of energy. We only have a certain amount of time But ultimately, you know, and of course, there are things we can do to increase our resilience, right, which gives us a little bit more bandwidth, I would say, to deal with things. But I think that's exactly right. When we have the accumulation, it takes up our resources. And then we can't focus on the things either, not only addressing the things that we want to address to feel better, but living our lives in a way that Allows us to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish and be the people we want to be. When we're not feeling our best because our bodies are overwhelmed or our lives are too burdened, then we can't live the lives that are really in alignment with what it is that we want the most
1: or that we're. So we've touched on reframing stress as overwhelm, but I'm wondering is there a difference between managing stress and actually overcoming your overwhelm? That's a great question that I get asked a lot. And the big
0: difference is that we all have to have ways to manage stress because if we don't, we short out. That's kind of the place where we see online, right? Well, get a manicure and a pedicure, take time for your quote unquote self-care, get a massage, even meditate, right? Those typical things that we're looking at to help manage the stress that we have. And again, we have to have those things. It's imperative. But ultimately, if we're continuing just to manage the stress. And we're not getting under it to dismantle it and to take it apart and to figure out what is and isn't important, it's gonna end up being too much more than our bodies can handle, more than our minds can handle, more than we can really deal with over the long haul. So, the idea is that we wanna concurrently learn how to deal with stress better and more effectively and in a way that really serves us. And also, get the overall load down. So we have room for the inevitable things that come our way. I was talking to a patient yesterday who was saying that she had been trying to, I hadn't seen her in a few months. She'd had a particularly difficult series of situations that were going on in her life. And she had kind of fallen off the map for a few months and she came back and she said, you know, I feel like I keep saying as soon as this thing is over, I'll have more bandwidth to do X, Y, or Z. As soon as this period of time is over, and I think that's a really common paradigm that we have, right oh, as soon as this stressful thing is wrapped, but we don't look at the fact that there's always going to be more things that happen, because that's just part of being on the planet for longer. as we have more things that go down, we have more challenging things that we get older, our health, our families. and that we have to be able to learn how to keep things within, you know, as much as possible things that we have control over act on those on a regular basis. So then when things do come our way that we don't have control over, we have the room to deal with them, the bandwidth to deal with them, the time, the energy, the space.
1: So I'm kind of looking at it like whereas managing stress might be like hiring an assistant where you have all these other hands to handle your stuff, whereas overcoming the overwhelm is almost like hiring an operations manager who can actually tell you what's important and what's not.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, that's a great businessy frame to put on it. I mean, I do think that in a way that hiring an assistant is also dismantling the stress at the same time that it is also managing it. For me, managing the stress is really a little bit more about what we choose to do to handle the stress that we are experiencing in the moment. And I actually would call hiring an assistant and hiring an operations manager both aspects of dismantling it. Or it could be getting rid of part of your business if you want to go that far because dealing with all the employees also is more than you want to deal with or it doesn't line up with what's most important to you. So I guess the managing stress would more be about taking the afternoon off and telling your operations manager to handle anything that comes through and not text you or call you or email you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you can probably see the way my own personal processes and life experiences go into the way I frame what I'm learning. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's totally normal for that to happen, right? And I think that those of us as entrepreneurs in particular, we have so many moving pieces. In addition to the fact that we are our businesses, right? Your face, our face is face forward to the world. And we represent our businesses in a way that I think sometimes more traditional businesses don't, especially for online entrepreneurs. And that is a big piece of how we interact with the world. And it's a different way of needing to manage our stress and get it under control because our lives are so wrapped up in our businesses. So it's, it's totally reasonable, I think.
2: If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way estro control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estrocontrol was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month totally not fair Estrocontrol control is made specifically for women who are pre-menopausal so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet and in fact it's amazing for paramenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and pms can turn into a beast i have been relearning myself postpartum i just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and i forgot how wild these hormone changes can be i wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or Reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition, Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alloMoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial. And enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alloMoves.com code MINDLOVE. AlloMoves.com code MINDLOVE.
1: Well, for each of us, whether we're an entrepreneur or a mother or we work for a corporation, the causes of our stress and overwhelm are just so different and unique. So how do you go about starting to identify what I personally need to address in order to start finding some calm and balance in my life?
0: The first part of what I have people do actually before we even get to identifying that is getting really clear about what's most important to us. And that's our values and how we want to feel emotionally and how we want to feel physically. Because I feel like if we start to look at what our stresses are that we need to address without knowing what's really important is we can get really off on the wrong track. Again, we only have so many resources. And so we start to put our energy into something that ultimately isn't going to line up with what's most important to us. So that would be the one kind of little caveat there, I would say, before I start working with people or guiding people to figure out what their specific stresses are. But I actually have a process of having people go through each of the main areas. So I think about this accumulation of stress as a bucket, right? We're each born with a certain size bucket. And that's the amount of stress that we can handle. And there are these different kind of big categories that go in there. There's genetics and your past and your finance, and your food that we put in our bodies. And I actually go through this process where I have people do this big umbrella assessment of all of those things. Now, the danger in that is people get overwhelmed when they start enumerating all their stresses. They're like, oh, this is worse than I thought it was. But ultimately, what it allows us to do is really take control into our own hands and say, all right, the, identifying what the stresses are, are isn't giving you more stresses. It's just having you see it through a different lens. And then we're able to say, well, which of these things really don't line up? Which of these stresses don't line up with what's most important to me? And then those things become the things that we address first, along with looking at, well, is this low-hanging fruit? Right. So I was just talking to a client today and she was her first appointment and she one of her issues anxious and overwhelmed, which a lot of folks are who come to work with me. So what I didn't do is, you know, she had some digestive issues. I want you to cut out gluten and dairy and sugar and soy and I want you to track everything you eat and start lifting weights and because all those things will all be helpful for her they're not trying to add those things onto her already over full plate would be a terrible mistake from where I sit and what my experience (laughs) is. And so I started her with looking at, again, her values and what's most important. I actually sent her off with those exercises to do. And then I said, all right, I want you to do these three things that I think are going to have a good impact that won't be too hard. And ultimately what we do in the book is I have people assess that for themselves. I mean, as, with 23 years of experience, when I'm working with someone one on one, it's pretty easy for me to see the thing, grab it and pull it, you know, see that string because it's a little bit more clear to me than it may be to someone on their own. But, you know, if someone says if fatigue is a huge issue for them, my first thing to do, they may have boot sensitivities, they may have a thyroid issue, they may need more iron. But the very first thing I'm gonna do along well, not necessarily the first thing, but along with looking at labs and seeing if there's something, a medical condition that we need to address is say, all right, let's what do we need to do about your sleep? Are you getting seven or eight hours of sleep minimum per night? Or are you someone who needs nine? And are you on your phone until midnight and so you're only getting six and a half hours of sleep? What's the thing that's gonna have the biggest best impact on what's happening right now? And again, you can't pick that out of thin air. You need to know what's most important. And so when I'm working one-on-one with someone, I pull on those threads. And when they're working with the book, they, they go through the process of pulling on those threads on their own. That
1: makes sense. I think a lot of times we just like to skip the groundwork. Our natural tendency is just to take action. So it reminds me of the importance of actually planning out your goals. That used to feel like such a waste of time to me because I would think, well, I could actually be checking off one of my tasks. Why do I need to spend an hour a week planning everything? But it's the groundwork that's the most important because you can start to see the fastest way to the destination, or maybe that there's one thing entirely that you could remove that would make all of your other problems lessen or even obsolete. Right. Yep, absolutely. There's this saying that I know most people out there have heard, especially when We say, oh, I don't have enough time to accomplish this, or there's just not enough time in the day. And somebody's bound to snap back at some point. Everyone has the same hours in the day as Oprah or Beyonce (laughs) or something like that. And it's supposed to be a kick in the butt to show you, you have more time than you think. You just need to learn to manage it. But it reminds me, too, of how two people can have the exact same workload and one person is that frazzled person that's freaking out, that can't seem to get anything managed, while the other person is just handling it with ease. So I'm wondering how much of our own stress and overwhelm is just our habit of dealing with things that are on our plate?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's no question there are logistical aspects to this. And there are lots of different approaches to addressing that. And I, in particular, other than giving a few specific suggestions and working your to-do list and some little tips like that, I very specifically skirt that issue because there are so many different ways to do that. But I wanna look at what's underneath our tendencies to have that approach or to feel like we don't have enough time. Is it that our resources are limited? Is it that we are trying to escape from our emotions and are therefore spending lots of time on our phones? I mean, honestly, I do think that there's a, logistical time management piece. But I think also there is the emotional piece of what's driving us to make those choices that don't serve us. And when we skip over that, or just keep saying, well, I should be able to do this if I am just more organized, or if I am just more this more that we can end up kind of judging ourselves. And with this kind of feeling of failure which then ends up layering on the stress, and then we just feel worse. And so, you know, if you say, all right, I feel like this issue is that I'm not organized, or I'm not using my time, well, then yeah, go read a couple of books on that. But if you're still going through the same thing over and over again, it's more than that, it's deeper, it's bigger, it's more something that we need to look at it in a different way to change our framing in order to really identify where the issues are. And often, that's, I call these roadblocks, right? Is it perfectionism? Is it fear of failure? There are so many different things that can, you know, is it feeling, is it our subconscious beliefs? Is it that we're blaming other people and not taking responsibility for our own choices? Is it that we're trying to please other people instead of ourselves, right? There's always these pieces underneath that not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, we need to be organized and responsible with our time, but ultimately, I do think that there are legitimate limitations on that that we need to look at and kind of dig into a little more, most of us.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I am fascinated by the idea of mindset blocks or the roadblocks, as you call them, because when I first started to uncover mine, my life legitimately changed really, really fast. And it was from doing these little exercises that at the time I had heard about for quite a while. And I kept thinking I could do them in my head like, oh, what's holding me back? Oh, yeah, it's probably this. But when I finally got fed up with no change happening, I sat there and I wrote them down. And as they would come up throughout the day, I wrote down these little flashing thoughts that would have just slipped by my consciousness if I wouldn't have been writing them down. And when I was able to see them outside my head on paper and see the ridiculousness of maybe a fear of success or thinking that I didn't have the follow through to actually maintain a successful business, all of a sudden I could negate them in a real conscious way and things started to unfold.
0: I think the awareness is such a huge piece. I will also say that based on my experience with working with people over the last however many years, I would say that that ability that you had to just name it and then change it is unusual. There are certainly some people who are able to just look at it and be like, oh, that's silly. I should be different. But our habits of mind tend to be so strong and they tend to be rooted in our subconscious belief systems. So sometimes it's just identifying it. And always that's an important first step. But I always encourage if people do that and they don't have the ability that you have to say just, okay, that's something I'm just going to say this. I'm not going to let this stop me be able to look at, all right, well, what's getting in the way of that? So for instance, I'm just trying to think what example you just gave.
1: Yeah, there was one that I realized I had where I was really doubting my ability to maintain a successful business if I developed it.
0: Right. And so for you, you might be able to say, well, that is a story and I'm not going to let that story drive my life. And there will be other people though, who go through that process and then it's actually really rooted in this experience from their childhood trauma or from their abusive ex or whatever that is, and that they actually need to do the work. I particularly love a kind of therapy called EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reintegration for people who have a trauma history or who have these really deeply rooted subconscious beliefs that can help them move through it. But if that's a mindset That affected you around your business, but you also then see it in other threads in your life and you see it yet are not able to immediately transmute it, doing that kind of extra work. So, I guess what I'm saying is that for people, for listeners, to not feel badly, if like, yes, take the time and the effort and make that step of writing it down and identify it, but to not feel badly or like you're failing because you, once you identify it, you can't change it or you're not finding that you have the ability to change it. The mind is very, very powerful and ultimately the continued work on that, you will change it. Like We have an immense amount of personal power like that. But sometimes it takes, for some people, for a lot of people, digging in to be able to get underneath it and also making the room to be able to get underneath it, right? So figuring out how you're going to make the time to really sit with it and process it if it needs to be sat with and processed.
1: 100%. Yeah, I... I should preface that by saying I did about a decade of self-work before I was able to come to that. (laughs) So it wasn't like, oh, I read a chapter in a book and suddenly my life was different. So just for listeners out there, I don't want to discourage them.
0: Time to be ready. And it takes time. Like your time is your time. Sometimes before you can really move through something, you need to do that work or take the time or it's just you're not ready your subconscious is so powerful and so often it's so undermining i mean everyone who's listening to your podcast i'm sure is already on this path right unless they've just stumbled and this is their first episode like you're talking about this stuff all the time like that's your job is to be sharing that with other people and helping people get to that same place that you were able to get to
1: First, I want to address the idea that something holding you back today, or a limiting belief or mindset block, can start from a trauma or even something simple that happened in childhood. And I want to address this because sometimes these ideas can sound so simple that it almost sounds like a bullshit excuse. But this is really how these things happen, because like we learned in episode 78 on EFT and tapping... When we are under a certain age, we don't actually have the ability to discern. So things that we observe just become a belief that we end up living by. I think a good example that comes to mind is my friend Linda. So when she was building her business, she wanted to start growing her audience by getting on Facebook Live a lot. But every time she would go to put herself out there and be on video, she had this crazy heart-pounding fear like she was gonna be attacked. So she thought, Attacked? When have I ever been attacked? And a memory popped up in her childhood of her siblings attacking her for being the center of attention. So to some people, they might be like, oh, so your, your siblings were teasing you and now your whole life is different. <laughs> Toughen up, get thicker skin. But that is really how something like that can occur. The good news is when you can identify these beliefs, you can challenge them. And it's actually pretty simple, but it doesn't always feel easy. It takes repetition and a lot of deliberate awareness, but you can change your beliefs. And honestly, there are quite a few limiting beliefs that I've already needed to get around. And as I continue to grow, more and more pop up. And I look at it like I am peeling my own layers back, and I'm starting to find more that were more deeply hidden but I am committed, not just to my own growth, but to practicing awareness, to seeing how much power I really have. And as I practice, it becomes easier and easier because in more good news, the more you show up for yourself, the more you practice, the more you add that extra bit of intentional thought. You start to trust the process and also you stop doubting your own power. And doubt, as we learned back in episode 59, is actually one of the top three mindset blocks that holds people back. Specifically, doubt that what you are doing has the ability to make any positive change. So trust the process and trust yourself. Take action and then acknowledge your progress and see what changes for you.
2: risk free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com/mindlove. That's drink m t.com/mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code Mind. And depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to a i r d o c t o r p r o dot com and use promo code Mind. That's promo code M I N D.
1: when we're talking about the root of our overwhelm or where our limiting beliefs come from, a lot of this comes back to really developing a relationship with ourselves, so that we can start to identify what it is that we're lacking or what our body needs or even what our desires are, like you mentioned, our values. So when we are coming at that process, how do you normally recommend people to get a handle on that relationship with themselves? When
0: I'm working one-on-one, it really varies. When I will say that literally the first part of the book is doing that. I, I'm actually happy to share that first values exercise with your listeners. If you're interested where people can go through that exercise of what is most important to me, it's like if, so you can take 15 minutes on it, you can take a couple hours on it to really dig into that. But I think that the process is really, well, the first thing is about an openness and a willingness to say, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to see this be different and to create a space and to take responsibility for ourselves and our responses and how we interact with the world, right? Saying, I want my life to look different. That's the first big piece. Literally, like you were saying, that I'm not a big fan of the self. You know, one of the reasons I wrote this book is because there are so many self help books that are like, this is the answer. If you do this, it's going to fix it for you. If you do that, like, here's the one thing, here's how you're going to do this. But ultimately, it's really so different. As you were saying earlier, for everyone, I literally walk people through the process of, okay, what are your five core values? What are the five most important things to you? How do you want to feel emotionally every day? What do you want to feel in your body every day? And then once you have that down, then you start really looking at what those roadblocks are. But before you know that, it's really kind of hard to be able to identify the roadblocks. You just know you're not where you want to be, right? You're so clear. I don't want to be here,
1: but now what? Well, the values exercise will be in the show notes, a link to that for anyone who's interested in doing that. But once the listeners have those values, what are some of the ways that we can start to align our self-care choices with those values?
0: Yeah. You know, what I ask people to do is to actually, along with how you want to feel both physically and emotionally, I actually have people write that down on an index card to have at their computer and maybe on their mirror. And I have a teacher who recommends writing stuff on your mirror and eyeliner because you can always just wipe it off and you're not permanently ruin your mirror. And to write it down in my to-do book, my date book that I use for tracking my to-do list, my very first page is a list of what those values are. And I literally look at those lists, look at that list before I make choices. Before I decide to say yes to something, before I decide to say no to something, before I decide what I'm going to do for my day, I want to look at is this moving me toward where I want to be? Because, you know, if you don't know where you're headed, you're never going to get there. You're going to end up on a path. And, you know, sometimes by happenstance, you end up somewhere awesome. But when we do have the opportunity to say, here is where I want to be, you're much more likely to get there. Of course, there's always missteps along the way that we make or things that happen that we're not anticipating or whatever those things are that get in our way because life is life and it's unpredictable. But when we have this idea of where we're headed, it is easier to make the choices on the day to day. And as far as the specific self-care things, what we want to do is look at where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. So again, for me, ultimate, the ultimate self-care is making choices that line up with your values. And sometimes that doesn't look like what we would think self-care would look like. For instance, tonight, I'm going to my 12-year-old school performance for two hours where he's going to have 10 minutes of playing saxophone and tap dancing because that lines up with what my values are around supporting my kid for him to know that I'm going to show up, even though there's pretty much anywhere else I would rather be than watching (laughs) a bunch of students perform on their instruments for two hours, right? And so that's ultimately self-care for me even though it isn't a long hot bath with lavender oil or it isn't scheduling a massage. So I consider self-care those things that help bring us into alignment with what our values are. And then the stress management things are more of the bath or the pedicure or whatnot. You know, and again, picking the things that are going to line up the most. So I don't particularly love getting massages, but I have a back injury and I know it's really good for me. And I know having someone's hands on me is good for me. So I will do that because I know it checks off a bunch of things on my values list and will help me get to where I want to get in a way that say taking an hour to, again, I'll give manicures an example. I don't get manicures, but it's something that a lot of people go to do picking the thing that's going to have the most alignment. So for instance, reading for me also, reading allows me to kind of escape without escaping down the rabbit hole of Facebook or Instagram or whatever you know news cycle we're in. And reading also meets this need for me as far as intellectual stimulation and creativity and reading fiction, I should say, it does all of those things. So for me, reading is a self-care thing that is at the top of my list because it aligns with a bunch of my values, right? Does that make sense? It
1: totally does. I actually recently realized that One of the weirdest ways I was able to take care of myself was this is going to make no sense at first, but was paying a parking ticket. And here's why. So I live in LA. Parking tickets happen more than I would like to admit, but I always put them off and then it stresses me out. And so my husband and I were having this conversation and I was like, I just paid a parking ticket the day I got it and it felt so good. And I realized how many of those things that I put off because it's not the most fun thing to do or because You know, I don't actually want to do it at all, but I spend so much time thinking about it or mulling it over in my brain that if I would just chop it off, I would feel so much better.
0: The term I use for that in the book is called tolerations. So there are things that bother us that we put up with day over day over day. And it can be a small thing like a squeaky drawer or an unpaid parking ticket. And when we are able to knock those things out, sometimes, again, when we're talking about the low hanging fruit, that's a really easy thing to do to get the stress down because it's not hanging over our heads. So yeah, I love that. I gave you a (laughs) big air high five
1: when you were saying that. One thing that I've heard you say is that you can't fail at Mm self-care. And I love this because there's so much that we all beat ourselves up about. And self-care has been making the news cycle quite often lately. There's an article in every magazine about it. And there's all these different definitions. And ultimately for a lot of people, that haven't really developed that relationship with themselves, it's another avenue where they feel like they're not doing enough. So yeah. what do you mean when you say that you can't fail at that? Yeah,
0: what I mean is that self-care is a process. It's not an end game. So when there is something that we say we want to do to take care of ourselves and we're not doing it, instead of thinking to ourselves, I failed at that, we can reframe that as what is not working about the way I chose to do that? Is it not the right time, for instance, to make a dietary change? Or do I not have the support I need? Or do I have a roadblock getting in the way? And it can inform our choices instead of just saying, oh, I failed, forget it. My book came out actually on January 1st of this year of 2019. And I had a lot of people talking to me about New Year's resolutions (laughs) when the book first came out, and I kept saying, like, do not make New Year's resolutions because you're setting yourself up to fail. You know, and of course, there's some small percentage of the time that we quote unquote succeed, but when we're making lifestyle changes, things ebb and flow over time. Even something that you do now in six months, you're saying, I'm going to go to the gym every day. Well, what happens if you sprain your ankle? Now you fail, right? It's not failing. It's just part of the process of being human. And how can we say, all right, I'm going to have a theme for a year or I'm going to have an intention. I have an intention to get to sleep on time. And if I am finding myself over and over sitting on my phone at 11 o'clock at night, there's something that I'm missing. I'm not failing at self-care. I did not fail. I have something that I need to look at to say, okay, what else is happening here? What's getting in the way? What additional tools do I need to have in place to make this happen if it's important? Or maybe I picked a thing that isn't possible right now or isn't actually lined up with what's important to me.
1: That makes sense because I think, as we were saying before, where that relationship with yourself is so important. A lot of this in self care is just as you get closer to yourself, the more you're going to discover and the more areas you're going to see that you can do better. So it's like if you started dating somebody, and then you found out on the third date that they didn't like cheese and you cooked with cheese, you're not going to be pissed that you failed at this relationship. You just found out new information. Right. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's exactly right. And I love that idea that we're going to learn more because when you have your eye on, okay, Here's where I am now. Here's where my goal is. That's just part way. You can't know. I mean, I suppose some people have this, but because you don't know how life will unfold, you don't know what your ultimate goal is. You don't know what you will be able to accomplish. You don't know what will get in your way. So what we have is, okay, here are my goals around these things right now. And then it's a winding path to get there. And then you have the next thing, right? And is that next thing a different thing? Is it a different level? When we have this idea of perfectionism, That trips us up so much. It's super common for women in particular, although there are certainly men who experience that as well. We kind of get the idea that, well, it has to look exactly this way. Well, why? You know, maybe there are other ways to envision it. Maybe it's a different path to get there than we thought. Maybe we're going to change our minds about that. One of my big goals was to learn how to speak Spanish. My son was adopted from Guatemala and he was going to be in a Spanish immersion school. And it was like, you know, it's really important to me to learn Spanish, to be able to help him with his homework. And, you know, year over year, I kept going, okay, I'm going to start. I'd listen to the CDs in the car, but then I kind of fade off on that. And then finally, this has been at the top of my things that are really important to me list for literally 10 years. And finally this year, I was like, you know what? I am not going to learn to speak Spanish. I'm going to, you know, and for now, maybe at some point I will decide to do that. But for right now, if year over year, I keep taking this thing and leaving it at the top of my list, but I'm not doing it, it shouldn't be at the top of my list because it's not actually something that I feel like I have the bandwidth and focus to do, even though, yes, it's important to me, but we never have the time to do everything we want to do, right? It's impossible you know, when I make the list of all the things I want to learn and do, I'd have to live to be 700. And who wants to be 700? Not me.
1: And also, I love the idea of bringing all of these things back to your values, because ultimately, it sounds like that goal, part of it was just so that you could show up for your son in a unique, really personal way. And instead of making it be through that one lens of learning Spanish, there's so many other ways that you could give that same sort of support.
0: Yes, exactly. And it took me some time to also realize that I was already doing that. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I keep so this idea in my head. of I really should do that. Why can't I do that? Exactly. I went, this is the goal with this. Here are all the other ways I'm already doing that and to give myself some credit and love and support around that too. I think we're so hard on ourselves. And ultimately, we don't pay attention to our successes and the things that we are doing well and the things that we are being in integrity about, right? We just focus on the things that aren't working. And that ultimately how we live our days is how we live our lives. And so if we're living, feeling like we're not living up to what we should be doing, then we're constantly in the state of shame and self-judgment and that's no way to live your life. It's too short and precious to do that.
1: So I want to note that habits are tricky. We've created these ways of being for sometimes our whole lives. So I'm wondering, how do you navigate building new habits or breaking old ones in a way that actually lasts?
0: The catch with that is that it's so different for everyone. There's a great book by, I guess his name Charles Duhigg. it's called Habits, I believe. I really like his kind of framing of what habits are made of and how we can make changes. But the thing that's really important is understanding ourselves. Oh, it's a book's called The Power of Habit. And the piece of understanding how we make change best is really imperative. I know Gretchen Rubin, in her work, she's a also a self-help author and has a bunch of really wonderful books. And she talks about, are you someone that makes change She uses like the term obliger or um, rebel. And so she has these kind of conceptualizations of how we respond best to making changes or being told what to do. And that when we understand more about how we make change best, and in my book, I call that the chi of change, it allows us to change things up in a way that are going to make us more likely to be successful. Like this woman I was talking to today, if I had given her 12 things to do, she would have felt like failure, right? Because she was already overburdened with everything. And so For her dismantling first is important. I'm someone who tends to make change as a rule in a sweeping way better. A bigger, like, here is, I'm gonna make this big change rather than little tiny baby steps. Other people do better with really, really small steps. And being able to know, here are the things that I need accountability, for instance, right? I do really well with accountability when I feel like, you know, when there's something I wanna do and I'm not getting to it. So, for instance, when I was working on the book, I have a full time business, my practice, I see 30 to 35, 40 people a week. And then plus, I have my online clients, plus I have all the social media stuff. And I was working on the book, all these moving pieces. And I really needed to be focused when I had my writing time, because deadlines. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend who I would text and say, hey, I need some accountability. And basically, she would say, all right, what do you need to do? I tell her what I needed to do. And then she would say, "Okay, what is the time frame that you need to do it?" So I'd say, "Okay, I feel like I need to work for two 50-minute blocks in the next two hours." And she would say, "Okay, if you don't, you're going to have to donate X amount of money to X charity that you hate." (laughs) And (laughs) And post it on social media that you are donating money to that organization. And so for me, that was incredibly motivating because I did not want to donate money to X organization that I hate. And I'm someone who's going to follow through with that kind of thing. So that's a great way for me to have accountability for someone else. It's about saying out loud, announcing to your peer group or on your Facebook page for people who use Facebook, I am not going to drink for a month or I am going to do X, Y, or Z because of social pressure, because I do better with external pressure. Other people do better with this internal pressure and writing in the journal about what their goals are and then breaking that down into steps. So I guess that was a very long answer to (laughs) a very long version of, it really depends on the person how they're best going to break that down, but really understanding how you make change best and then having a framework for that that you can go to over and over and over again if you need it.
1: Yeah, I recognized your language of the obliger from Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, which is super interesting for listeners out there. Yes, that's the book. Yeah. I am a questioner. I think there have been times in my life that I've been the rebel, but now I'm a questioner. But I'll link to that in the show notes for anyone who's interested also. But I mean, even with that, I love how it still goes back to getting to know yourself. It's like the more you know about yourself, the more you're going to understand what's going to be successful for you and what is actually going to work. So for me, I wanted to take a month off of drinking. So I announced it to my podcast and I'm like, well, what What better spot to announce something like this or to gain accountability? Then, the area of my life where I feel like I show up as my best self and that I 'm actually guiding people through different ways of living, so that worked for me one hundred percent, and I never even really thought about cheating, which was crazy for me because any other time I right. definitely have right and it's really
0: interesting too, because let's say that you had, and then you get to say to your community like, "Hey, this is what happened, and then it's a learning experience for you, it's a learning experience for them, and you say, okay, here's what i'm going to try this time." The, evolution of how we choose to make change too, right? So if we are different now than we were five years ago or 10 years ago, what we need will change as well, both physically with what we need to put in our bodies and how we need to move and what's most important for our health, but also what's most important to us. You know, our values can change and how we interact with the world can change, especially when those of us who are on kind of a path of, I want to grow as a human. I want to grow spiritually. I want to grow emotionally. I want to grow physically we become different people over time and then how do we integrate that as well right
1: you know going back to my example of giving up drinking i actually think it's a good example for two things first i don't usually like the whole absolute time frame thing like for 30 days this is happening because i've found that too often if people mess up one time they think it's all a wash when really Say, I did have a glass of wine on week two. It's still better to have one glass of wine in a whole month than it would be for me to give up at that moment and drink every night. Like when I gave up meat, it was a process. I was just eating less meat for a really long time. So I think it doesn't have to be the end all. But then, secondly, I think that accountability of announcing it to my podcast listeners worked for me on a whole nother level because as I've been going through this journey of building something I'm proud of and living into my passion every day, I have been developing a new self-image. And so I think it's so much easier to live into a self-image than it is to just live into a set of behaviors.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I love that.
1: So through your work, I'm curious, have you found any patterns as to what the biggest roadblock is that holds people back or even women in particular? people pleasing and
0: feeling like we should take care of others first. I think that's really beaten into us in our culture and it can be incredibly problematic and it's so beaten into our subconscious to do that. And as far as the specific thing, there's so many possibilities. I'm going to say sleep. No, I think that when we're not getting enough sleep, we simply don't have the resources that we need. And I can only think of a handful of times that I haven't been able to help people with their sleep issues. I can't always fix them. And sometimes the issues are bigger than people really want to deal with or address. But as also as women age, their sleep tends to not be as good as we are mothers and our kids are waking up a bunch of times or we're then trained into not sleeping well. I would say there are a few things that are really, really important for people, for most people. And that, I would say, is the thing that drains us the most, which gives us fewer
1: resources. In my household, it's my husband who doesn't get enough sleep. Actually, I'm going to reframe that because language is important. Historically or in the past, he has thought that he doesn't need as much sleep as he actually does, like he wants to overpower it but we just put up blackout curtains. So we've both been getting really amazing sleep every night. And he just said on our walk, you know, this might sound crazy, but I feel completely different after getting a good night's rest. (laughs) I'm like, um, obviously. Uh, It's so weirdly I
0: mean, again. I hate to like gender pigeonhole people, but for men, that is so common. My husband too. He couldn't remember something that I had just told him an hour ago. I'm like, how much sleep did you get last night? He's like, well, by the end of the day, I'm just tired. I'm like, no, 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 no. It is so clear that when he gets six hours of sleep, which he says he's fine with, he isn't. No one <laughs> is. And kids too, in particular, are like really, we're shorting ourselves. I usually tell people eight hours is ideal. Seven is bare minimum. Some people need nine. And kids, you know, teenagers should be getting 10. Younger kids should be getting 11, 12. The studies are so clear about how important it is for us to sleep. And that we are really undermining ourselves by not prioritizing that.
1: Well, thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today. A link to your website and your book will be on the show notes at mindlove.com slash zero eight two. So where else can listeners connect with you online?
0: I try to answer emails personally, and you can get in touch with me through my website, drsamantha.com. And you can find me on the socials pretty much everywhere. At Dr. Samantha Endy. And my favorite place to be these days is on Instagram. So if you're on there, come on over and I'd love to interact with everybody.
1: Well, I feel a little less overwhelmed already. Here's something I like to remember because I am the type of person who likes to think about all of the things my products are non-toxic, and I hand-make my dog's food, and I'm vegan, and I try to apply the lessons that I learn in every single podcast episode, and I try to journal and keep a gratitude diary, and I'm not always perfect. But I will say that all of these things stack up over time. And if you look at this ideal way that you want to be living, and you focus only on that and you don't take yourself back to the present moment, it's going to be so much easier to get overwhelmed. We tend to focus on the gap, on what we don't already have or what we haven't already achieved. But the whole practice of focusing on the now and acknowledging your progress is to keep you in the right state of mind to want to build momentum instead of freezing and in fear. So. Pick one thing, the one thing that seems most vital for now, or most important for your next big change, or the things that will make the biggest difference, and focus on those. When you've mastered that one, or it doesn't seem like such a task or such a challenge, then add another one. It's taken me years to get to where I am right now with my current habits, and there's still so much I feel like I can improve, but I can't focus on that because I won't get anywhere. It's about the journey, not the destination. I know it's so cliche at this point, but it's so true. I think the biggest challenge that we're faced with in this lifetime is learning to love ourselves anyways, learning to love ourselves through it all. Yes, still striving for better or improvement or challenges, but learning to be okay and actually love what is right now. So all the links in this episode are at mindlove.com slash And remember, so if any of them resonate with you, please show your support by supporting our sponsors. That's one of the best ways you can give back to the show. And if you know anyone that would appreciate a little more mind love, please share, tell a friend, family member or coworker, take a screenshot and tag it on social media. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.